Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Mark Tier, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Pleasure to be back. It's great to have you back. It's it's been a it's been a very long time. Episode ninety eight was the last time you were here. Uh, that's several several years ago. Uh, and you know, you and I have bumped into each other at conferences and that kind of thing. But it's been a long time since we've connected and talked, and so uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Let me introduce you uh, to anyone who may not know who you are. Mark Tier, FAIA, is the founder and CEO of Black Spectacles, an award-winning architect formerly at Gensler, assistant adjunct professor at Illinois Institute of Technology, chair of AIA Chicago's Young Architects Forum. Mark founded the online platform Black Spectacles in 2010 to advance the creative potential of architecture and design through online learning and career advancement. In 2020, Mark was elevated to the College of Fellows of the AIA and received the AIA Chicago Distinguished Service Award for achieving a standard of excellence in the profession and making a significant contribution to architecture and society. Absolutely earned, for sure. (laughs) Significant contributions to our profession. Um, we shared a little bit about your story back in episode 98, uh, that title is called life of an entrepreneur architect. We talked about all different kinds of things during that episode. We discussed the founding of black spectacles and how that happened, shared a little bit about your origin story, but that's been a long time ago. So I want to, I want to do, I want to share 
your origin story again. Go back to the beginning. Who or in, who or what inspired you to become an architect? And then share that that journey from that point to where you are now. Yeah, I'm laughing because um, I wish I had like a really sexy uh, answer to that, but I don't. Uh, it it might actually be like Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch might actually you know, be where I heard of. You know, Mark, I would say that Mike Brady may be the number one biggest influence of architects in history because we get that that answer a lot. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I uh, as a kid. <clears throat> um, you know, I uh, I had a, made a little invented a little cartoon series for myself, um, and then you know through middle school, and then um, when it came time to go to high school, I just knew that I, I for some reason I had this idea in my head that I wanted to be an architect, and intentionally searched for a high school that had an architecture program, and uh, found one and took all their architecture classes, and I like to say that I. Um, uh, entrepreneured my way into the uh, School of Architecture at the University of Illinois. Uh, how, did, did, how did you know what an architect was? How did you know, you know, that there was a profession called architecture? I mean, honestly, I don't know. There was no one in my family. There was no one really in my life who taught me what it was. Um, I knew I liked to draw. Um, and I probably thought buildings were cool, but I had no idea what that really meant. Um, and so it was just sort of this sort of mysterious, neat kind of thing that I you know, decided it's sort of strange how I just sort of knew that I wanted to do it. And then sure enough, in those first classes, um, um, yeah, it was a fit. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. This is what I thought it was. In yeah. fact, I went to a prospect high school in Mount Prospect, uh, Illinois here, uh, sort of one of the suburbs. And um, yeah, uh, it was a good program. We were building, you know, model houses. We were drawing. We were drafting, like all that stuff. Um, so Somehow I got the idea. I honestly don't know where, um, but uh, trying those classes, it was an immediate fit. And, um, and then I followed that all the way through. Um, and uh, yeah, and followed that all the way to college. Um, so you said you, you entrepreneured yourself into college. How, how, what did you mean by that? Yeah, so I had uh, one of my relatives, uh, one of my, uh, my aunt, uh, she uh, invited me down to University of Illinois, where she had graduated. Um, and we went there for a weekend and I was, it was the first and only college I visited and I was totally blown away. And I was like, man, I need to go to this school. Um, and I think that was probably my senior year. So I was a little late uh, already. Um, and, you know, I looked at the, uh, the scores you needed to get in and I didn't have the scores and I wasn't really close. Um, and it's funny, uh, maybe the Sunday or Saturday of that weekend, we went to like an admissions you know, lecture on how to get in and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, five minutes in, I'm like, I, I, I need to, I need to go talk to somebody. I'm not listening to this crap. And I went down and went to like the actual admissions office. And I was like, I need to go to this school. How do I get in? And, um, and they basically mapped a path for me. They were like, well, you could, you know, based on your numbers, okay. You know, you could get into this program, which is adjacent to architecture. So, and then maybe you can Maybe you can get in eventually uh, with, you know, um, into that program. And uh, that's what I did. I did get in. I'll never forget getting that envelope in the mail. Um, and um, uh, that followed. So that my freshman year, um, <laughs> it's funny. I called the dean of the School of Architecture, Art Kehe. Uh, I probably called him 30 times. <laughs> and 
uh, telling him they I wanted knew, to get into the program. They knew who my year was. And I, I never, I never heard, he never responded. They always sort of put me, you know, in a voicemail or whatever. And like the last time, uh, he, they finally got, I finally got through and he's like, well, I think you've called me enough. Uh, we'll let you in. <laughs> and, and that began my career in architecture. Of course, you know, like a lot of programs, the program really doesn't start until sophomore year. Right. So, um, so it worked out. Um, yeah. So I got in. So that's, that's, that's very interesting. That's a good lesson for, for people who are listening, who, who want to achieve anything, right? If you really want it enough um, and you work towards it and you show others your passion for it and your determination, right? Show that work ethic and show that you're not going to give up until you get what you want. Um, yeah. Many it, times and not always, but many times it works. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's not necessarily my like, my favorite thing to do is, you know, call and ask for whatever I want. Right, like, right, yeah. I'm, I'm like pr pretty much not wired for that. If, if, if that makes sense. But like you said, uh, I wanted it so bad that I sort of, it, that desire to get in sort of pushed me past my own limitations to, to make that like super uncomfortable call. You know, it also uh, sounds times. like you had no plan B that this was it. I, you needed to do this or you didn't know what you were going to do. Exactly. Yes. Right. You had no other school. You had no other profession. This was it. I'm going to this school and I'm going to become an architect. Yep. Yep. So, there was so, definitely no plan B. That's good insight. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's, you know, there's no alternative than to move forward and keep trying until you get in. Yeah. Sometimes I found that, uh, that desperation helps motivate me to, you know, like I say, sort of trans transcend or move past your own like personal limitations. Um, yeah. So, you know, so you get into, get into co uh, college and you go through the architecture program. What happens when you graduate? Yeah. Uh, I went to a career day and, um, you know, got a few interviews, um, and, you know, basically asked, well, I guess I, I got a few interviews, um, and then I took the one that I, I, I wanted, uh, which I thought was the best at the time. Um, and I, I got a job at Leggett Architects, uh, which is sort of a mid-sized firm, does a lot of schools here in the, um, in the Chicagoland area, uh, was there for about a year or so, um, and then continued on. And um, it's, it's kind of funny how the path sort of unfolded in front of me. I worked with uh, a guy who, um, uh, we became friends and he had graduated from Clemson University. Um, and at that point I had not traveled uh, with school. Um, and as you know, you know, it's sort of part of our culture to, to, go, to go overseas and I hadn't done that. And so I wanted to you know, go to grad school with a program that allowed you to travel. And Clemson had an amazing uh, travel program with actually a lot of options for traveling. Um, and so <laughs> the two of us went on a road trip uh, we visited the school. He introduced me to some of the professors. We went down to Charleston, uh, where they have a separate program. And um, yeah, I applied there. I got in. My first day of grad school was in Genoa, Italy. I literally got on an airplane, uh, and like you know, ten hours later, knocked on on a door and was hoping there were Americans on the other side. And sure enough, <laughs> there were. Um, and that uh, yeah, that began you know a really wonderful um, you know two years. Uh, we did a formal thesis in that second year, so uh, on campus, so I didn't get to see too much Clemson football. Uh, I was mostly stuck in the library. So your uh, entire your entire time at grad school was in, in Italy? No, just the first semester 
the second semester then I actually went to the to another off-campus program which was in Charleston South Carolina and then that last year I came back to campus uh, in Clemson and uh, finished and did my thesis there um, so I got a year uh, on campus which was good yeah. and then came back and uh, went back to that same firm uh, Leggett uh, where I stayed for about three more years and then uh, a friend of mine uh, moved to Gensler uh, who was hiring and trying to build up their Chicago office. Uh, and um, they were working on this sort of big uh, Chicago project called Block 37, sort of the infamous, um, you know, one square block in downtown Chicago that, that had multiple failed uh, developments and there was finally some significant momentum. Um, and so they were looking to uh, build up the team and I moved over there. Um, and right during that time, uh, it's funny, uh, my boss at Leggett, I uh, had a review and he said to me uh, during the review, he's like, you know, you should get involved in the Chicago architecture community. You know, maybe check out AIA Chicago. And I was like, okay. And I'm pretty sure I like went straight back to my desk and like Googled AIA Chicago and found the Young Architects Forum. And I swear, Mark, within like 60 days, I was the chair of the Young Architects <laughs> Forum of AIA Chicago. <laughs> It was really funny. Like they were running a competition uh, at the time, sort of a local competition. And, um, you know, I went to a couple of meetings because I was interested in participating. And um, the the chair, Jeff Massad, uh, at the time, he invited me out to lunch, which I thought was kind of cool. It was pretty nice. Like I didn't really know him that well. And he invited me out for lunch. And I'll never forget it. You know, we're eating in the middle of, of lunch. And he was like, so do you want to be the chair of the Young Architects Forum next year? <laughs> and the way he said it, it was like he was handing me a bag of poo. You know, he was like, would you like this bag of poo, sir? And I was like, uh, I don't think so. I guess maybe. Um, Feeling a bit set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, you know, and what's kind of interesting is that um, I'm glad I said yes. It was, a, it was a really smart decision to say yes because my network in architecture went from, you know, maybe like, 30 or 40 architects who I knew from college and then in the office that I was in to like three or 4,000 within about a year. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was, um, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into and it ended up being awesome. I made a ton of great friends there. Um, we got to do all kinds of, uh, really cool programs. In fact, uh, my good buddy, Matt Dumich and I, um, yeah, we would just get together, uh, for lunch and, and, <laughs> It was like kids in a candy store. You know, we would be like, so what do you want to do now, man? Like wh whose office can we go visit or what kind of program do you want to do? We would just invent stuff out of thin air and send a couple emails. And next thing you know, we were running a program uh, um, or some sort of an event. Um, so it was a really rewarding experience. And again, made a lot of friends and, um, um, and so forth. Had a lot of really, um, not only the friendships and, and networking stuff, but also had some like, you know, kind of career um, you know, ultimately some like career eye-opening experiences doing, uh, many of the programs that we did. Uh, I learned a lot about myself as an architect and so forth. Um, so it was, yeah, it, it was a great experience. It continues to be a great uh, group of people to be, uh, you know, a part of. Yeah. The Young Architects Forum at the AIA has been influential in a lot of people, you know, in their career. A lot of people who are leaders today in the profession, uh, came out of the, those programs through through different chapters in the National Young Architects Forum. Right. Um, very powerful, great lesson to young architects. If you you know, if you if you're looking for a way to advance your career, 
get involved in the AIA and specifically the Young Architects Forum because nationally it's a very active group. Um, and it's a great way to, like Mark said, very quickly build a network. And, and your network is everything. That's how you get to the next level uh, in your career is, is who you know and the, the networks you have and the people you know. And yep. uh, it's really powerful. That was one of the things that uh, I had. Nobody ever whispered that in my ear. I just sort of like wandered into that reality like, oh, boy, it's kind of handy to like, number one, be able to help people. Right. And in fact, that's one of my the strongest memories, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, is as the chair of the Young Architects Forum, you know, every every month we we hosted, you know, one of the things we did was we hosted a monthly happy hour um, after work. And every single time we did it, three or four people, I mean, you know, maybe 20 to 20 to 50 people would show up depending on on the on the month. But regardless of how many people showed up, there was always two, three, four, five people who would come up to me and say, like, Hey man, uh, can you, do you know anyone who's hiring or do you know like any, you know, what firms are good to work at? I'm, I'm new here or whatever. Um, and that really opened my eyes to like, oh wow, the power, number one, like the opportunity to help uh, these folks. Cause I had just right. gone through this experience of moving from Leggett to Gensler and, um, and you know, it wasn't, I wasn't just looking at Gensler. I'd really done a, a complete um, sort of, um, review of all of the firms in Chicago um, and sort of decided the short list of firms that I was interested in working at. Um, so I sort of already knew all that stuff. And so to be able to help all these young people um, uh, sort of find the, the, the firm uh, that they might be looking at was, was really rewarding. And then for myself as well, later on, um, you know, as I, um, you know, as you'll hear, one of the critical um, parts of the story of Black Spectacles is, you know, comes from some of the relationships that, that I built and friendships that I built, um, you know, during that time. So, um, yeah, so, so yeah, it's a really good thing. So how, how did Black Spectacles come about? It, 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 was it that network that you built and some of the connections that you've made in the Young Architects Forum? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> sometimes I sort of tell that story, um, as if like one thing happened and that was the thing right. that made it all so. But the truth is there's like 40 things that happened, you know, and they all sort of like built on each other over time. Um, but, um, you know, some of the basics are, you know, I had my first uh, child uh, during that time. That was a really seismic uh, thing for me. Um, it changed uh, it changed sort of the lenses that I was looking through as in my career. Um, that was a big part. You know, it happened in the middle of the Great Recession in 2000 you know, eight, nine, 10, I watched, ha I watched half of the office, uh, get laid off over the course of six layoffs in 18 months. Hmm. So like, you know, I lived it basically along with all of my peers, we lived in fear for, you know, for, for two years, um, which that also changes sort of the way you think about things. Um, and you know, uh, I had the bug, you know, uh, I didn't really know it at the time, but when I look back now, I'm like, Oh, um, yeah, I had a DJ business in college. Oh, <laughs> like I was always working on a design competition on the side, whether in school or, you know, uh, as a professional or really, you know, uh, in, um, um, in, uh, in my work with uh, the Young Architects Forum or even the teaching, like I was always sort of doing something on my own on the side and I didn't really realize that, but that was all entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, you read, a, I read a couple of the books, the right books at the right time. And, um, 
you know, many of them, again, kind of compounded on them all. But the one that really sort of set me loose was the, uh, the four-hour work week, which sounds like some lame infomercial type of uh, book. But um, that's a brilliant book because it's an action book. It's about starting. It's about moving forward. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's a manual. It really is a manual on yeah. how to, like, start a business. And, you know, it kind of sells this idea that, you know, you can build a business that's, um, you know, something on the side that you really don't care that much about, but it generates enough money for you to kind of live the life you want to live and go do what you want to do. I wasn't so excited about that idea. Um, but what I loved about that book was it's an action book. And I mean, honestly, by the end of the weekend that, uh, of me reading that, I was already on, like I was already, I had already pounded my fist on the table, had my <laughs> entrepreneurial seizure. I'm like, I'm doing this. I don't care what anybody says. This business is going to be launched in a month. Um, of course, as I always say, uh, it took 16 months to actually launch it, but um, it got me going. Um, and, you know, um, sort of just one step at a time. Yeah. So the, the four hour work week is the name of the book. Tim Ferriss is the, is the author. If anybody's looking for it, if you haven't heard it, uh, very influential in my career as well. Uh, it's, I think it's probably the number one book for many entrepreneurs yeah. who, who have, have read the book. Um, very influential and there's lots of different layers and levels to it. Uh, some of it, you know, is you don't really want to take too literally. And some of it is some really right. great life lessons that will help you grow. Totally. Um, so before we jump back into the story of Black Spectacles and, and how it grew from that inspiration, just explain what it is so people understand what we're talking about. What is Black Spectacles? Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's an online learning platform. So it's a website and an app where you can go to learn um, design software and prepare for the national licensing exams. And um, it's video tutorial based. So what we, what we did with all the uh, software learning courses is we partnered, and again, this goes back to the whole network thing, um, both by um, just sort of a function of by, you know, friendships and relationships at AI Chicago and being a, you know, being a member of this massive arc, you know, firm, um, I just sort of wandered into lots of people who knew lots of different software, who worked at great firms, working on amazing projects. Um, and so I just started asking friends of friends of friends, if they'd be interested in making a course. And, um, and so, you know, we built a recording studio um, and, uh, and we invited them and brought them in to make a bunch of uh, software, you know, tutorials. And then, um, then with, with regard to the test prep, um, you know, we have, similarly, we have video lectures, uh, but we also eventually built practice exams and flashcards. Again, these are all online. Um, and then virtual um, workshops. So, you know, sort of on, on Zoom, you know, um, listening to uh, lessons uh, and, and lectures from, from architects to help you prepare for licensing exams. So that's what Black Spectacles is. All right. Blackspectacles.com is the website if anybody wants to go check it out. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. As architecture demand increases toward pre-pandemic levels and beyond, how are you and your architecture firm keeping up? RCAT is here to help. RCAT.com offers several free tools to help architecture and design firms like yours 
get work done faster. Use RCAD's powerful search engine to find the right products for your projects and download BIM, CAD, and specifications right there on the same page without needing to pay or register. It's free. RCAD.com also offers product videos, catalogs, green reports, product certification information, outline and short form specification generation, and so much more. Visit RCAT.com today. RCAT.com is your one-stop solution to help increase your productivity and get more projects done faster. That's RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with financial reports, communication, and notifications. My favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I think sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as entrepreneur architects. Who has the time? But if we don't send out the invoices, we don't get paid, right? FreshBooks makes it easy to send out your invoices and get paid fast online with a click of a button. And when your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you control. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature. And Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility. From heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They're also the only comfort heat company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the USA at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of a job. A few years ago, I was visiting Sonoma Wine Country in California. It was during the autumn, so it was a bit cool when the sun dropped below the horizon. One evening, we joined a group of friends for dinner at one of the big wineries, and, and we ate outside on the veranda. That amazing Sonoma sun was setting behind the vineyard, so it was getting rather cool that evening, but we were very comfortable. In fact, the temperature was perfect for an outdoor meal during a cool Sonoma evening. I looked up and around to discover why that temperature was so comfortable and found, yes, you guessed it, an Infratech heater integrated with the design of the wood trellis above our table. All these years later, I know it was an Infratech heater because back at the studio, we were planning a large outdoor space for a client and outdoor heating was part of that plan. And we ended up specifying six Infratech heaters for that project. Their amazing customer support team helped us specify the right units, and we had a very happy and comfortable client. 
Infratech is specified at the most prestigious properties around the world. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcast. That's infratech-usa.com slash podcast. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So let's go back to the origins of Black Spectacle. So, so you're, you're Young Architects Forum, big network. You're working for one of the largest architecture firms in the world, uh, Gensler. Uh, you read some books. One of them is Four Hour Work Week, um, and you have this entrepreneurial seizure and say, "Okay, I got to build a business." And did you know what that business was going to be right from the beginning? Where, where, what was yeah. the seed of this idea? You know, it's there's a funny story there. Um, uh, there was a uh, when I was teaching at IIT. Uh, I was teaching Revit. And so needless to say, as soon as you do that, you become known as the Revit guy, right? So I had I had some of these um, folks reach out to me for various things. And and one of them, um, uh, Bob Babin reached out to me uh, just to talk um, because he had some ideas about software and some courses and whatever. And so we every once in a while, every few months, we'd get together. And during one of those uh, conversations, which were always sort of, they were really fun uh, conversations. He was such an entrepreneurially minded guy. Um, he always came with 12 ideas about, you know, various things. It was awesome. One day I was walking back to the office and it just hit me, uh, lynda.com for architects. Right. Yep. Um, I remember walking by the Chicago river and just thinking that I was like, Oh my God, that would, that would be amazing. Because at that time, um, I mean, I was in the trenches at Gensler. I was doing all the modeling and the drawings and the renderings and whatever for the projects that I was on. And so Revit was, you know, uh, coming coming out and sort of becoming uh, much more useful and popular. This is when, you know, parametric design and Grasshopper and those tools were becoming available. This is when V-Ray was um, becoming more mainstream and so forth. So I was sort of knee deep in all the tools that that you need to know. And I was very, I had a, uh, you know, a, an appetite to learn, kind of stay up and uh, up to speed with the newest tools and so forth. Because some of them, frankly, allowed you to do things that you couldn't otherwise do creatively. So, um, so I was desperate to learn them, and you know, I was raising my hand in the office and saying, "Yeah, I want to go to that training. Can you guys pay for me to go to this workshop?" And even with that, it was hard to keep up. And so, um, it was sort of with that context and that understanding. Plus, I was teaching, and the ironic thing about the fact that I was basically teaching software at at IIT was that none of the design professors cared or really wanted they in fact a lot of them even didn't want the students to know software which you know um i mean i understand but from a practical perspective the students need to know the tools in order to get a job right. so it's sort of like this catch 22 where they want to know the tools but this, they don't want to be taught that you know the the people in charge don't want to teach them so i could see the problem i was having the problem i could see the students were having the problem and I had had an experience myself on lynda.com, you know, a few years earlier. And um, I thought, man, this is amazing. It was like 30 bucks a month for 600 software courses. But, you know, there weren't that many that were super architecture focused. Um, so I was like, oh, man, if we did that for architecture, that would, that would solve a lot of problems. Um, so that was sort of the genesis of the idea. What's funny about that story is um, I had that epiphany. Then I went back to the office and I grabbed my buddy, Jorge, um, 
he was more of a software guy than I was even. I was always relying on him uh, whenever I had questions and things because he was truly um, the, the expert in it. And I brought him over. I'm like, oh man, I have this great idea. Um, and I like explained the whole idea to him and I got to the end and I'm like, so what do you think? You want to do this? And he was like, oh, it's a great idea, man. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to do it? And he was like, no, man, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, uh, we went on, uh, you know, uh, I went on and and I was the crazy one who went on and started. So, so let's talk about that. How do, how do, how do you do that? Right. Cause you have this, this conversation with your friend. He says, that's a great idea, but that's a huge idea, right? Yeah. That's you want to start a startup. You want to start a business, right? I, I don't know how to do that. I'm going back to my desk so I can get my paycheck. And you're like, no, I'm going to go do this. So, so how do you do that? How did you take it from an idea, a crazy idea yeah. to making it start? How do you launch something like that? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, one, one, one step at a time. Um, it's truly a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, and you just, it's one foot in front of the next. Um, and what's sort of, um, really kind of lovely about this moment right now is I'm in, in the middle of, so we're launching a new platform called spectacular. And, um, and so I'm kind of doing it all over again. And again, I'm frustrated with how long it takes and all the unexpected things and whatever, but as I look back on, it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's just solving one problem and then solving the next problem and then the next one, and just sort of having that confidence of like, you know, I don't know, I'll figure it out, one one problem at a time. And um, you know, that's it's funny. I think the first thing I did was I started, um, I don't know, I I emailed um, a couple people. Uh, I, I emailed uh, Jessica Liebeck, who at the time was an architect at SOM. Um, she was also uh, involved in the Young Architects Forum, and I think she had just left, and I knew she had some kind of consulting business or something, and I just, like, met with her, and I was like, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Can you help? And she was like, oh, yeah, we can help. I can help you with this and that and this and that. I was like, sweet. Let's do it. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, you know, she helped me for a while. They helped me come up with a name. Uh, they helped me um, put together an RFP for the website that I had sort of envisioned, um, we put the webs, we put the RFP out for the website and my budget. Um, I had no money by the way, either. So, uh, I had to figure that out as well. Yeah, that was my next question. Is how, how, <laughs> yeah. how did you fund that first step? Yeah. Um, uh, recklessly <laughs> as I look back now, uh, recklessly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny that story of, of putting the RFP out, um, I had a $20,000 budget, right? And I had basically described lynda.com. And we sent the RFP out to, I think, like 11 or 12 Chicago web design and building, web, web development agencies in Chicago. And none of them responded. <laughs> Except one. One guy responded, Jason Schwartz. He was like, uh, let's talk. I was like, okay. So I met with him. Actually, two guys responded. The first guy said, let's talk. And we had a great conversation. Uh, we're still friends. The other, the other guy, Jason, he reached out and he was like, yeah, let's talk. And uh, I met with him and he was like, you know, you just sent out an RFP for like a $150,000 website, right? Like, why don't we just start slow? Like, you don't even, nobody even knows you exist and, and so forth. And, and he, 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 he developed a, a well thought out, short-term plan for building a brand and building a blog 
start to create a little awareness, which we then you slowly kind of build it, built over the course of the following year. And, you know, uh, we just kept moving forward. Very you know, good from, advice. From building the brands to building a blog to finding some office space to, I mean, one of the, one of the key things, the key pieces of wisdom I, that I can see now is the training we get as architects it prepares you for so much of this journey of starting a business. Um, I mean, if you think about what we are trained to do, you know, we're trained to start with a white piece of paper and someone, you know, someone says, I want to build a high school for, you know, $80 million. And our response is, okay, when do you want it? You know, like, <laughs> right. that's nuts. That's insane. Um, and so the, uh, you know, the, uh, the courage and the audacity and the, confidence that we all have as architects to be able to solve problems, mow them down. I mean, you know, you start with uh, a big giant bubble diagram and that one iteration after the other, after the other, after the other, you solve thousands of problems and you get to, you know, you go to the grand opening and you walk through the high school. Um, so um, how is, well, we all went through, we all went to architecture school. We all practice architecture on a daily basis. And so in many ways, a lot of us are already wired or at least maybe not wired, but um, certainly have the, the tools um, to start working on something. It's, what's fascinating, when you look at the, the statistics about architects and you see that half of the architects in the United States run their own firm, right. that tells you a lot. And 25% uh, of them are firms 10 or less or nine or less. Well, 75% of the firms in the United States are nine people or less. I mean, there you go. That yeah. tells you the whole story right there. That's exactly where Entrepreneur Architect came from, where Entree Architect is Entrepreneur Architect. And that was my recognition that everybody who owns their own small firm is an entrepreneur, whether you think you are or not, yeah. you are. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and that was the inspiration for that name with the idea that we we could help them learn to build better businesses so they can be better architects and be more yeah. successful. And how goofy that none of us get the training in how to do that. Right, right? exactly. Yeah, even to this day. I mean, some programs are starting to come around, but but uh, even to this day, uh, architecture programs really don't see it as their responsibility to teach us those things. And so um, luckily there are platforms like Black Spectacles and Entrepreneur Architect and all these others that, that are doing those, recognize those things 10, 12 years ago, uh, started them and, and are now growing them into significant you know, players, big impact on the profession. Yeah. Um, so, so Black Spectacles has definitely grown into a significant uh, impact on the profession. To have a significant impact in the profession uh, has taught probably millions of, of architects. Um, I don't know, millions, but a lot. <laughs> um, Let's go with millions. I like that. Yeah, millions, <laughs> millions of architects. Um, and so, uh, so now you're, you're sort of taking it to the next level. You mentioned spectacular. Uh, I don't even know what spectacular is, so let's let's talk about spectacular. Um, and what is spectacular, and and why are you launching it? Yeah, so it goes back to that story of uh, me running the Young Architects Forum in 2005 and 2006, and that and those instances where people came up to me and they said, "Hey, Mark, you know, I'm looking for a new job. Like, who's hiring? Who should I go work for? I'm new to this city, etc." And um, so in 2018, um, well, I mean, as, as many of you probably do yourself, as your business scales, you, you know, you find, search out mentors, 
uh, people to help you, um, you know, avoid the pitfalls and so forth. And I found a great mentor in 2017, 2018, who, um, after we spent a lot of time together, he was like, you guys, you know, I think maybe we were, you know, maybe nine, eight, nine people at that point, uh, full-time employees. And uh, he was like, you know, I really think you guys should work on establishing your core values and, and your core purpose as a company. He's like, because scaling a business is very hard. And um, really like task number one is kind of getting everybody going in the same direction. And so, and values is, is a great way to do that along with the core purpose. And so we spent some time working on that in 2018, established our values, and then worked on that question of uh, what, like, what's our, what are we trying to do here? Like, what's the point? Um, you know, do we want to just, and I shouldn't say just, but do we want to remain focused in education? Do we want to specialize in architecture education, sorry, test prep education or bigger than that? And, and where we uh, landed was really about that story. What I realized was that the thing that gets me up um, and has gotten me up every day to work on this business you know, many times nights and weekends and all that kind of stuff is sort of that passion for helping people navigate their careers. And the reason is because I didn't have that for myself growing up. And I saw other people, especially when I was at Gensler, I saw other people who sort of had that leg up. They, uh, they had um, people in their life, friends and family who helped them, you know, uh, prepare, you know, help them make sure their grades were good so they could get into the school they wanted to help them evaluate all the different options for schools to make sure they, they picked a good one. And then once they got out, help them find their first internship, help them find their first job, help them navigate their career. Um, and whisper in their ear, like, Hey, you might want to build your network because that could come in handy later. And, you know, you can be of service to the community. Um, and so uh, through my experiences coming up and, and through the, the time of, of um, building Black Spectacles, what I realized was that's really the thing that, that I'm really passionate about. And uh, so we, we, we finalize our core purpose, which is to help architects thrive in their careers. Okay, here's what was amazing about that. Like literally after I wrote that down on a piece of paper and we were like, yeah, these great ideas fell right out of it of like what we, what we could go do, go do next. Because once you sort of, you know, you could do a million things. You guys know in architecture, right? You know, you could design anything, but sometimes the constraints really help you right. focus on something. And so, um, um, so with that, what I realized was, you know, it sort of started from this initial observation, like, oh, it's 2019 and like everyone's portfolio is still in InDesign, which we all export to PDF, it's 2019. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then like continuing that, that, that thinking like, Oh, is there a way we could sort of bring that online? Oh, if we brought that online, it would kind of work a little bit like LinkedIn. Oh, if it kind of worked like LinkedIn, then maybe we could help people find jobs. Oh, if we could, you know, help people find jobs, maybe we could help firms find architects. Um, and then for my time actually in the trenches at Gensler, I remember there was a guy who, um, was a young guy. He started, um, and it turns out he kind of oversold his skills, <laughs> Revit skills. Uh, and again, this is probably like 2007, 2008. And so at the time it was relatively, still relatively a new tool. And, you know, instead of modeling, the guy was drafting inside of Revit, which is a disaster. Um, and so I was brought into that, you know, environment to help them and whatever. But I saw that problem firsthand, which was, man, this guy told us that he knows, you know, X, Y, and Z, he has X, Y, and Z skills, but he doesn't. Um, and so 
I was sort of seeing our business like, oh, well, Black Spectacles, we help people learn stuff. We help people acquire skills to move along in their career. Oh, maybe in this new platform, we can help people. Maybe we can do skills testing and, sh and sort of provide clarity on what people you know, are good at and aren't good at or you know, where they are in their skills. And then we can provide tools to help them you know, level up their skills. If they're unhappy with where they are, fine. Take a couple of courses and you, know, you can have this credential or whatever. So it just started to kind of like um, unfold um, as this idea. And eventually, so um, really at the, uh, in April, on April 1st, we announced it April 1st of 2020, right after the pandemic hit, um, a lot of businesses were thinking about, okay, what can we do to help? Like what's happening right now? What could we do to possibly help? Um, and, you know, this idea of, of working on Spectacular um, was, it was in the, you know, it was in our minds, uh, but we didn't necessarily know exactly when we were going to start. And when the pandemic hit, we were like, all right, we're starting now. It's time. It's time to go. And um, we, so we started a little over a year ago. Um, Spectacular ultimately is, we're calling it uh, the professional network for architects and firms. So it'd be a place where um, architects can sort of put forth their professional profile. So it'll be a place where you put your resume, essentially your experience, your projects, your portfolio. Um, and uh, what's, what I'm excited about is um, on our homepage, we're going to feature the best projects of the day. So, you know, seven or eight of the best projects every single day. So it's also gonna be a way for architects to get their work recognized. Um, because for young, especially for young uh, architects, um, and you guys know, uh, young architects usually means someone 40. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I mean, up and coming folks who are coming out of school or in school um, in the first 10 years in their career, it's almost impossible to get any recognition for your work. You can't really get published anywhere. Um, so we're trying to, you know, A, there's a way for us to try to um, create some recognition and some um, showcase some of the work of young architects. Um, also, it'll be a place where firms can create their profile, um, big and small alike. Um, in fact, we have a product advisory board um, of architects uh, from across the world, actually. Um, some of them are students, some of them are firm owners, some of them are um, architects in the middle of their career. Um, and what we're trying to do is build a place where, um, you know, really both sides, both individual architects and firms can find each other. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be hopefully a place where uh, architects and firms can sort of put, the, put their best foot forward uh, about who they are, whether you're a firm and you're, this is the kind of work we do, this is where we are, this is what our values are, you can describe that on Spectacular. And then you can go search for, uh, for architects uh, when it comes time to, um, to hire someone. In fact, you know, the other uh, ingredient in this whole mix is, so, you know, over the years, um, how many architects have reached out to me and said, hey, Mark, um, I'm looking for somebody who knows this and that so-and-so. Um, can you help me find somebody? And I was always like, I don't know. Like, here are the experts we've hired. You know, it was always like the same five people I was always right. referring. Um, so we're excited about it being a place um, of, of, of connection, a community uh, of architects. Um, and um, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting uh, thing to, um, to finally start to bring into reality um, we just had uh, the other day, we had another product advisory board meeting and to see the excitement and the enthusiasm in the eyes of uh, these young architects um, is really cool. Yeah. It, it sounds super exciting. Um, 
I'm a little jealous that you're launching something new. <laughs> um, I, it sounds like a, it sounds like you're building a bridge over the swamp of the profession, right? <laughs> that that you know, right now, in order to get the architect to the to the firm, you have to sort of wade through this swamp and you know find the right rocks to jump onto and meet the right people along the way. Yeah. And you're you're building this bridge over that that just connects the, the people to the firms. Uh, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, Thank you. Super well needed for for our profession. It's funny. I was talking to uh, Michael Speaks, who's the the dean of the School of Architecture at uh, Syracuse, and he was telling me that one of the biggest problems uh, that uh, young architects have is they don't know the firms. Like, sure, they know the you know the twenty, right. um, you know, um, you know, um, sort of. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the top brands, the, the people. Yeah, firms that firms that their their professors uh, taught them about that do really uh, exciting work. But in terms of you know wherever they are, whether it's New York or wherever you are, they don't really know all the firms in that. And I remember that same experience myself. That first job I got, like I was telling you earlier, was there was the result of me going to a career fair and wandering around, and whoever right. happened to be there, those are the firms I knew about. And uh, needless to say, that was only 30 firms and there's however many, you know, a thousand in Chicago. Um, so um, that's what I'm excited about is it'll be a place, especially for uh, young and up and coming and small firms to um, present their professional profile, create some awareness for the kind of work they do, for the kind of culture they have um, and, uh, and find top talent, you know, really, really exceptionally uh, talented architects. Super exciting. So, so the website is spectacular.design. If anybody yep. wants to go check it out and, uh, and is it a membership site? Is it, is it, is there, is it free? Does it cost anything? It's a free site. Yeah, it's free. Okay. So spectacular.design. One more question before we get to our final question. I have just, just curious why launch a separate brand and a separate website separate from spect uh, black spectacles? Why not just make it a component of black spectacles? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it's because, um, I mean, obviously there's a relationship there with the, the name uh, and the brand. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, um, you know, the brand of Black Spectacles is unique to education. Um, that's really where architects go. And, and you know, I mentioned earlier that from the moment we defined our core purpose and where we're trying to go, a number of ideas fell out. Well, a couple of them are in the educational space as well, and we're working on those now. They're, they're not quite as far along, but... So we're going to continue to build out Black Spectacles as really this educational resource. And then Spectaculars are really, it's a different thing. Um, although it, it still is web-based, it's, a, it's a, different, uh, a different place. So it felt, um, it felt wise to build a, a different brand, but one that was related. So, yeah. um, so you know, um, so there's a relationship there, uh, but uh, it's, it's definitely a different entity altogether. Got it. What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? We're talking to thousands of architects right now. Most of them are uh, small firm business owners. Uh, lots of lessons in the conversation that we just had. What's, what's one thing they can do right now to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, I mean, I guess if you were to, just from this conversation, the thing that has really propelled us forward um, was that idea of figuring out what our purpose is. What is the thing that, What's the thing that we're trying to do? Um, because that helps you figure out what you're not going to do. I've had a lot of calls, a lot of connections with this person, that person. Hey, I've got this great idea for this one thing over here, and it's kind of related to architecture and blah, blah, blah. No, 
Um, it's uh, having that kind of purpose helps you stay focused, which is one of the big hardest things in business is to stay focused um, on, uh, on, on where you're trying to go. And so that served us incredibly well. Um, it's also, like I said, it's sort of magical the way that it, um, it provides those constraints for you not only to know what to say no to, but also um, what to say yes to. Um, and it helps you, it just, it's helped us see uh, really clearly uh, about where we, you know, the things that we want to, we want to go pursue. Um, yeah. Which again, that by itself is just almost this sort of recursive thing, right? Where once you know where you want to go, then you know the right things to work on. Then you're excited about it because you're excited about where you're trying to go. And the things that you're trying to do are fulfilling that, which makes it even more exciting. So um, that would be, uh, that would be one of the, the, the key lessons I've learned so far. Yeah. Wise advice. His name is Mark Tier. Uh, website is blackspectacles.com. The new website is spectacular.design. Go check them out, both of them. Go say hi and let them know that you heard our conversation here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Mark, thank you for not only coming on the show today, but for all you've done throughout the throughout the years here in the profession. You're, you're, you've had a significant impact on the lives of thousands of architects in what you're doing. Uh, and so I thank you for leading the profession, uh, sharing the knowledge that you have shared, building the platforms that you have built. Uh, and thank you for coming on today and sharing that story and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you as well, Mark. It's been a lot of fun. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how Entree Architect will grow to serve thousands more architects just like you. Thank you to our sponsors, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Infratech Comfort Heaters for their support of this episode. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources, live monthly business training for architects, a supportive architect community, and simple systems. Our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects, just like you. It's all waiting for you right now at Entree Architect Academy membership, including AIA continuing education learning units. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect peers. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Thank you for listening. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. 
Season 1 featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.